The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Sunday, 10th of May. The Fujicast. Welcome to the Fujicast. On a Sunday, the daily show um, where we talk about photography. You talk about photography. You ask about photography by emailing into click at fujicast.co.uk. And uh, we do our best to answer any questions you have. Sometimes it's about Fujifilm stuff. Sometimes it has nothing to do with Fujifilm at all. And it just has to do with um, the facet of being in a... Is that the right word? Have I said that correctly? Of being in a photo community? Did that come I out? I think correct? most people in America will think you're on about taps. <laughs> what, facet? Have you, have you done your facet up properly? Oh, I'll tell you what, if you don't do your facet up properly, you'll flood your kitchen, you will. Anyway, how, how are you, Kev? All right. I'm all right, yeah. Just had a nice lunch in the garden. Yeah. Kids are doing kiddie things, and nice. weather is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, uh, we've been very lucky, actually, in terms of, of, of the weather over this period, because um, no, do you, usually I'm sure that when I'm working weddings in April and May, it's usually, usually a downpour. Mm. Uh, well, I think both you and I were meant to have a wedding yesterday, weren't yeah, we? That's right, yeah. Um, in fact, Siri kept reminding me. <laughs> and, I thought, mm. and then I thought, stop it, please. Now you're teasing me. Um, yeah, and I've got one coming up on Wednesday this week as well. Oh, no, I forget. I don't. <laughs> um, it was fascinating to listen to Elka yesterday talking about um, uh, about how she got into dog photography and the whole thing being, you know, uh, an accident to start with. And what could have been dreadful family reasons actually turned she turned something into a real, real positive. She yeah. mentioned on there, by the way, Bored Panda. And I've got a question in a moment from Ricky Turner about websites and blogs and things. And uh, you knew about Board, Board Panda, I, I didn't. Board, Board Panda is a way of talking to the photo community about projects you've got coming up, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think it's just photography either, Board Panda. I think it's a general kind of newsfeed. I, I have to admit, I see stuff that comes from Board Panda, but I've never actually been on to the Board Panda interface type stuff. So it's quite interesting. There's one, there's one tech support people are sharing the worst cases that they've seen online for a while. You see all the all the all the boss. Do you see the pictures in there where there's a bird sort of housed in a CCTV camera, uh, where the the printer isn't working because somebody didn't just put the copy paper in, they put it they put it in, but it was still wrapped. <laughs> Honestly, I when I used to work for Microsoft in frontline support, the things that used to spe- I used to speak to people about were just absolutely insane but bearing in mind this is back in the early days when things like mice were quite new and you know the internet was fairly new in terms of the kind of connectivity and it was uh yeah pretty pretty crazy pretty frustrating you have to be a special kind of person don't you to work on on any kind of tech support don't you yeah you've got to have a actually when, when we did it when like the training the education part was uh yeah here's the software you can do that yourself and here's six months of uh, customer service, how to deal with difficult customers, how to how to understand the anxieties of people training. <laughs> the software part yeah. was just like, yeah, you can do that yourself. Because generally people, I, I would imagine, only ever really, they can call you up and say, Kev, I'm having a lovely day today. Just thought I'd check in with you. You OK? You never got those sort of calls, did you? Uh, do you know what? I remember once I was I was the only person in the UK for a period of time that was support for Microsoft Flight Simulator. In fact, I was the only support in Europe for Microsoft Flight Simulator. Mm. And um, I uh, lots of things came my way because of that. But one of the worst things that ever happened to me was this guy that used to ring up all the time. And he would say, um, 
I'm I'm flying over, and then he'd give me his uh, coordinates. Right. And there is a ILS beacon uh, is is missing, uh. and I'd be like, right. <laughs> and, and bearing in mind, he'd been flying on his computer for eight, eight hours in a jumbo jet, oh. Brazil to Paris or something. Right. And I'd be like, right, okay. Um, I'll I'll tell the engineers. I'll tell I'll tell the developers. Uh, no, that's no. What do I do now? I can't go through my ILS beacon. I can't go through the beacon. Doesn't exist. I'm going to crash my plane. Help! It's not a real plane. <laughs> Honestly, um, it's because of flight simulator that I um I, I was very rude to Kylie Minogue once. Were you? Why? Hmm. How? Well, um, it's probably a it's probably a story for another time. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> What was she and Jeremy Beadle, he was, was there as well. Was she playing Flight Simulator? No, no, no not quite, no. Mm. I did also go on um, <laughs> Good Morning, not Good Morning Britain. What was the one when they had at um, Camden Lock? What was it called? Uh, TVAM? TVAM, something like that, yeah. yeah. So they had they had some celebrity, and I can't remember which celebrity it was, that was going to be doing this Flight Simulator thing, and I was backup support. So I was sat in the, in the, uh, in the green room sort of thing, just waiting for them to crash their plane. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued about the Kylie Minogue one now. We'll move on and, and maybe we'll get you another day on that one. Um, Ricky Turner's written in, website question then, are blogs as relevant as they once were? Do people read them and how can you make them sound more original? I've, I've had to paraphrase that a bit because it was quite long. But uh, Ricky, thank you for that question. Um, and it's a question I've asked myself a little bit because I'm just about to completely rehash my website. It's going to move from WordPress and it's going to go to Squarespace. Maybe this is a conversation we should have another day, by the way, about about um, websites. Because you've, you've got a lot of experience now moving between platforms, going from mm. WordPress to, to Squarespace and the other way around as well. Mm, I'm like Donkey Kong moving between platforms, <laughs> me, I tell you. I can go up, down, left, right, but jump you, over barrels, all but, sorts, but climb you, up camera, <laughs> ladders. But you do tend to choose only those two platforms, don't you? I mean, you've not gone to Wix or anything like that. <laughs> no, no. Um, but what about this then? Are blogs as relevant? Um, I mean, for only one reason, that would be Google Juice, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think that I actually think they're more relevant than ever right now because, um, not, and I don't mean right now as in the virus, but I mean generally as people are consuming things. I think, of course, you, typically people see YouTube as um, how do I do something? How do I fix a tap? How do I, you know, change the light bulb in my car? Um, and also for kind of educational stuff. And, and I think, you know, blogs in terms of news generation are, you know, really, really, really important on almost every single phone. If you, uh, and I presume Apple has a similar thing, but on Android phones, if you just keep swiping to the left, you get the Google News Feed. Yeah. And the Google News Feed is very, very good. It's very specific to the stuff that you're interested in. It's all blog-based. I read so much stuff on there that I would not necessarily otherwise see. But I get, um, I get that, though, because that's current affairs. What about, um, you know, blogs? No, it's not it, necessarily current affairs. It it's, okay. you know, if I go, if I've been into Google to look at, I don't know, let's say black and white war photography, it starts feeding that kind of stuff to me as well, and really interesting stuff also. It's curated, so it's not just junk. It's not spam. So are you, are you suggesting then if maybe you were searching for, well, let's take weddings, because that's the obvious one I'm going to pick on. Uh, if you were looking for wedding photography information, if you started swiping left, you're going to start finding uh, lo local blogs about weddings? Or, or Potentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, I get, I get yeah. a lot of stuff turning up in my Google News feed from uh, Malmesbury, Wiltshire. 
Right. Uh, yeah, it, it, it can happen. And I think a lot of people consume that way. But also, remember when it comes down to things like weddings, for example, people want to understand the personality behind the camera. So you write a blog post, you know, I was happy to go to this wedding. Here's some pictures. You know, they were lovely, etc., etc. That's what they want to see. And they, they ultimately, they need to see pictures. I, I can guarantee, in fact, I, I, I'm willing to put my... Care, um, careful. ...around my house now. I'm willing to put Don't one put, of my no, dogs on the no, line. No, I knew you were going to do it. I knew straight away <laughs> you're going to say, I'll give git away. <laughs> <laughs> For the fact that you know people people will not go to something like youtube to search for a wedding photographer no you know they just won't they're going to type in wedding photography at such and such a venue or wedding photographers at such and such a venue and they want to see pictures and they want to see a story and, and the only way you're going to keep google pacified in that respect is to keep blogging blogging in terms of youtube yeah i, I agree they probably won't go to youtube to look for a, for a photographer but of course uh, video search comes high up in the pecking order of return doesn't it and and so therefore um it can be useful but it can also be, um, as we were discussing with some films I made about about wedding photography that I thought really was aimed at wedding photographers, uh, my yeah. clients started seeing them. And I thought, oh, no, that's not the message I want to put out. No, absolutely. Yeah, they will see it. Certainly, they will see the, the kind of thumbnails and stuff, depending on what's in there. But they, you know, they, they're going to come to your website. It's it's simple as that. You know, you're not going to buy you're not going to buy a, a Tiffany's diamond ring mm. by, you know, you're going to research it on, on, on kind of YouTube or whatever. You're going to go, oh, that's a bad example, but you know, you, you're going to go to the website. You're going to yeah. look at the prices. You're going to look at everything else, you know, and, and that's, that's ultimately why it's, what's so the, and, and regardless of what, you know, modern trends tell us, people still like to read. Mm. I, you know, for example, I hate when I type into Google, how do I do something? And, I, and, it, and it, you know, Google answers it. It says, click on this web link to find out the answer to your question. And you click on it, and then it's a video. It's a YouTube video. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to watch a video. I want you to tell me in the blog post. Yeah. Point one, point two, yeah. point three. That drives me nuts. Absolutely nuts. This, this, I'm just um, drilling down into this swipe thing you were talking about. Is that um, returning local stuff or just? It's a mix, yeah. It's a, it's but it's, a look, it's mix, looking so at your uh, your habits, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So on an Android phone, you you swipe to the left and you get your Google News feed. You can switch it off, of course. And yeah. I presume there's something similar on the Apple uh, ecosystem. R Ricky also said, "How do you keep stuff like that original as well?" And that that's the challenge, isn't it? Whatever kind of genre you're in, we talked to Stuart Bingham a couple of weeks ago, and he he writes a lot of blog stuff on on uh, real estate shooting mm. it must be very difficult to to keep you know finding things to write about when you're talking about a house having a story that's being for sale or a wedding which might seem an easier example um sooner or later you feel like you've written everything there is to write about a wedding yeah well the, the easiest way to keep it original is to not think you're writing it for google just think yeah. about think you're writing it for the clients yeah uh, as soon as you do that you stop taking away all of the you know the, the it's it's unnatural to write for google and Absolutely. google doesn't like it anyway so you know write for the clients write as if you're writing a, a letter to the clients this is your letter with some pictures um and then that will keep it original because it will all be specific to their wedding jez camilleri um, from Sydney, Australia. I'm not even going to ask if you've been there. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kevin. Enjoying the podcast. Appreciate the efforts. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I have a question possibly for Kev, maybe for Fujifilm's Andreas Georgiadis on a return visit. In the interview with Andreas in 81, Andreas me mentioned not needing to update lenses until sensor resolution reached around 32 megapixels, I think it was. I've been trying to get my head around why that would be the case. I would have thought that because the lens is simply glass through which light passes and is not really digital as such, that they'd be able to handle any resolution. 
obviously I'm wrong, but I'm curious as to why. Do, do, you, uh, do you have an answer for this, or this is, is this one I should defer to Andreas? Um, I don't know the answer, but I know it's true. So, for example, with the GFX system, when they first announced the GFX 50S, they said that the lenses can resolve up to 150 megapixels. Yeah which, of course, everybody immediately understood that they would be bringing out even bigger sensors. And, of course, they did. They brought out the 100-megapixel sensor, which all those lenses work against. Presumably, if it can work against 150 megapixels, they're going to end up at 150 megapixels as well. But after that point, then they will need to, to get new lenses. And I don't know whether it's to do with the elements inside, the the uh, you know the glass, whatever. I really don't know. I honestly don't know. But I know it's a, it is a real thing. As you're, um, we're going to come on to our, our people that we're, we're firing around um, today, four, four people in different locations, America, Australia, France, and Scotland, um, to, to find out how Say people... Say France again? France. I don't know why I have to go into a, 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 some sort of sing-song thing. France. Say France, Neil. France. Um, so we're, we're going to find out how people's personal projects and stuff are going. We, we, we've both discussed that you and I haven't really done a lot of personal projects during this period, have we? Uh, unless you count this as being one almighty personal project. It's taken this up. is a big project, yeah, it, it in is, fairness. Yeah, I, mean, I was wondering what you were talking about then, but yeah, no, I understand. Um, yes. So uh, no no photography projects for us as such, are there really? No, 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 I, ha- I really haven't. And yeah, it's been a long time and I'm anxious to do it again. Yeah, I think, I think we're both keen to get back in the photographic saddle, as it were. But uh, whilst we've perhaps been a little amiss in recognising this daily Fujicast, Kev, as being our lockdown photo project, others have used this time to learn new photo skills. So we're going to cross around a few of our friends of the show, as we, as we title you. We've got Murray, a firefighter in Scotland, who's been working on a home project and honing an Instagram idea. We'll hear from Fran, who discovered the joys of the video button for a lockdown family vlog. Uh, John in Australia, who lives out in a reasonably remote farm, who's discovered macro during this period. But we're going to start with Tim Benner in southern Indiana. And a little bird tells me, Tim, you have a birthday today. Yes, I am. I'm yeah. actually 52 today. So been on this earth for 52 years wow. now. Happy birthday, Tim. What, what are you up to? Obviously, you're not going out for a meal or anything, but... Uh, I don't know of anything. It's still, you know, it's still fairly early here. It's 930 in the morning and uh, you know we're just uh, I think we're maybe going to get some some grub to eat out uh, to carry out but other than that I don't really have a whole lot planned as far as uh, celebrating my birthday my son's birthday's on Monday so we're kind of going to probably do a dual thing yeah yeah yeah. so (laughs) what's it been like I don't know how many days you are into lockdown and how locked down you actually are but what's your experience been like well it's you know it's my wife and I both are fortunate to work from home. So that transition wasn't as hard for us as it was for most people. Um, most people, you know, had that big change of trying to set up a home office and trying to set up home internet and, and all that stuff. So um, that aspect of it wasn't that tough for us. Um, the, the biggest thing for us was, um, you know, obviously shopping for groceries um, was a little more difficult, especially with for some reason, everybody hoarding to- toilet paper. Yeah, um, we had the but, same. It's an that was an international language of hoarding on that one. I'm afraid. Right, <laughs> and, and hand gel and hand yeah. sanitizer. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, going out to, to eat uh, usually on weekends with friends. Uh, obviously, that that's um, been next as well. So 
um, they're slowly starting to open things back up on Monday. So, you know, we'll probably sit back for a while and see how things go if there's another spike or, or, or what have you. So tell me about your photography. What what uh, Are you full-time or you're part-time? Or? I'm mainly just a hobbyist. Um, so I've, you know, I kind of my background when I was in high school, um, I was asked to be a photographer for our school newspaper and for our uh, yearbook. And, you know, I didn't have any background in it. They just handed me a, a Fujifilm camera and said, you know, would you be interested in trying this? And I said, sure. So I went out and, you know, we had rolls of, I think, 24 uh, sometimes if we got lucky 36 pictures when was this tim you were i graduated in 1986 so it okay. was probably my last two years so 83 84 to 86 so what camera were you using back then it was actually the fuji uh actually have it hang on just a second yeah grab it grab it it is the fujika Ooh, can't see it it's, no, i can uh, see it fuji- i can see it yeah uh, the audience can't see it but the mag- magic of podcasting but i can so it's a fujika fujika it's a, a stx1 all oh, right okay oh you stayed very much in the family then haven't you yeah yeah <laughs> really what you know I, I did that for a few years and then graduated and went on to other things um i guess it was back in 2015 uh, my wife and, and mother-in-law and son and i went up to a tr- uh, on a trip up to maine and i took my phone with me and uh just started taking pictures and and really liked the way they they turned out so came back and actually talked my wife into let me buy a, a camera um so i invested in a nikon uh right. <laughs> 30, the uh 3200 okay uh one of the lower end cameras um shot with it for a while but i found it sitting on the shelf more than anything else um so actually i think i came across kevin um on a on a uh on one of his youtube videos maybe um and he he was talking about fuji so i actually went to a local camera store and picked up the xt1 it literally had all the same it looks knobs and yeah 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 very similar hey this is very familiar to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, you know kind of a little bit of muscle memory yeah. so i came back home and and asked my wife if i could <laughs> buy this camera and she said if you sell the other one you can so um i did and um you know after after i picked the xt1 up it was magic i, I loved you know the with the mirrorless as you know you know what you see is what you get in yeah. the back are you, um, are you still yeah. shooting with that xt1 now then no actually i i, I transformed to uh, xt2 right. um and then recently <laughs> switched to an x pro 3 so oh, good for you uh, yeah i've got actually two cameras i got an x pro 3 and the x100f now what, um, what what are you shooting what's your we're, we're talking about um personal projects here today and and sort of getting around to seeing what people have been doing with this this uh locked in time um what if you have been getting out there and photographing a little bit of a project for yourself haven't you yes yes uh, i mainly shoot uh landscape um nature shots um i will occasionally well before lockdown, I would go out in Louisville, Kentucky, which is the close city by us, and shooting this and urban stuff. But mm. it's mainly nature. Um, I love to hike. And what my personal project is, is um, there's a park that's not too far from me. It's it's actually, ca- I call it O'Bannon Woods, but it's actually Harrison Crawford State Forest. Okay. They have a trail that's 25 miles long. Yep. Uh, it's a loop and it's called the adventure hiking trail and along that trail there's there's basic shelters uh they're not fancy some are uh four walls and a roof some are two walls and a roof (laughs) um but my project is i want to go out and actually shoot 
all the shelters. I saw one actually, and and that was it, yeah. So how many are there? Did you say? There's five total, and the neat thing about them is if you do hike the trail, they're first come first serve. So you right. may get to one of the shelters and they're full, and you have to sleep outside. So, right. Right. <laughs> um, but my goal is to, is to shoot all five of them. Um, you know, I want to. I'm. I've started kind of doing some scouting. I've shot two of them already, um, and I want to go back in the fall. Uh, when the colors are changing and shoot all five. So is this lonesome work or are you, are you traveling this trail with somebody? Uh, I've got a really good friend. His name's Mark. Um, his his uh, Instagram is Deermark, D-E-E-R-M-A-R-K. Okay. Uh, but we actually go out together. Um, he he kind of inspires me and I inspire him. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we tend to go... Uh, you know, when we went to shoot the one that you, you're referencing, the Indian Creek shelter, uh, you know, we, we hiked together. We didn't see a single soul. Um, yeah. And we did our social distancing of six feet apart. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's he ironically always says to me that when we go places and, and shoot together, he sees things I don't see and I see things he doesn't see. You know, for me, like I said, nature is, is just something that, that – uh, brings kind of some calm and peace to me mm. uh, mentally um, and and you know also with with shooting um, the same thing I mean um, to use a pun when I put the camera up to my eye I actually focus you know things focus and, and all the chaos in my brain kind of calms down yeah. so um, it's just kind of the best of both worlds for me. So Tim there in Indiana I think can lay claim to the best photo soundbite of the day t-shirt worthy Tim now, Frank Corbett, we spoke to before about finding new skills to marry with her super-existing stills photography eye. And right at the beginning of lockdown, she began a video diary where the family had to get used to mum recording everything, including the frustrations of lockdown in a country where rules have been fairly strict, France. But, Fran, things are beginning to get a little bit more relaxed now, aren't they? Yeah, literally, I've just been listening to the uh, Prime Minister give a talk Um for most of France, they are going to uh, they're going into the the process of what they're calling deconfinement, and they are slowly going to start lifting uh, some rules. If your department is green, that means that you can carry on with the deconfinement uh, uh, rules. So you've, you're free freer to move. It looks like everything's remaining the same. You can go within a hundred kilometres of your door. You don't need a form anymore, thank God. Right. Um, you unfortunately it looks like marriages are still off i thought they were on but now i see that they are they they need to be um delayed yeah unless it's urgent yeah. uh you can have funerals but no more than 20 people you can go to cemeteries you can go to parks some uh, uh libraries are open but no cinemas um i think at the end of may they may be looking at opening some restaurants but i think they basically are going to review it week by week what, what do you what do you feel about it the kids have been at home now now you've been doing this amazing project where you've been filming the uh, the kids and the family what do, what do you feel about the whole thing they said you can go back to school tomorrow would you right. Well, the school have uh, we are they are allowed to go back to school from May the eleventh, which is Monday. But 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 there are so many rules. Um, they have to have distance, social distancing, or physical distancing. They can't play together. Uh, I know the village school is only open in the mornings. They can't do the lunches. They're only allowing a certain amount of kids in the school. Some basically, it's um, an organisational nightmare. Yeah. Some schools are allowing families 
So if you've got more than one child to come in at a certain time and pick up at a certain time. So they basically schools have asked if you can, can you keep your kids at home? And so are you, you going to do that then? Yeah, unfortunately, no. we can keep them at home. So that's it now until September. Until well, September? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah. expecting you to say well, maybe, maybe a couple of months or, or maybe a little bit less, but till September. <gasps> yeah, I know. It's a shocker, isn't it? Well, yeah. In France, um, they, they break up at uh, the end of July, at uh, beginning of July anyway, right oh. the way through. So they have about oh. eight weeks. Okay. And for kids of the uh, college uh, age, they will break up normally in uh, sort of third week of June anyway. So really... It's not really going to make that much difference. You're really close to it anyway, aren't you? How's the project been going? Because you've been doing your phenomenal uh, video project. Well, Neil, I, I actually stopped. But I, I'm going to get back to it because I think I need to document just before some rules are lifted, shall we say, and then document the day when we can escape. See, I was going to say, uh, uh, that, that was my way of saying, where is the latest one, Fran? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I just sort of suddenly thought, oh, okay, I learned, I've learned how to do this now. I don't think I need to do any more. But I think I will make... Do do two more and then and then that's it. What if everyone, everyone was getting annoyed with me at home? No, no. <laughs> we weren't. Were they? Oh, they were. I see. Oh, okay. All right. They were saying, "Mum, no more." Uh, I think it was more my uh, Mon Murray, my husband. Oh, was it? All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Them two, but more him. What well, What have you What have you learned from from um, being able to switch that video button on? Are you going to take it forward into your into your general work now? I am indeed. Um, well, now that I'm unemployed this year, I guess I'm going to get much better at l learning how to do it. But um, yeah, for next year, for weddings and uh, any family shoots, if I ever get any more, then I'll definitely use it. And I'll feel more confident to switch in between stills and film throughout the day. What sort, what sort of uh, editing? We, I know we spoke before, but for people that haven't heard, what have you been using to edit? And what, what kind of kit have you been using? What, what lens have you been favouring i know you're a fujifilm um shooter sure I've, I've for the films i've stayed with the same setup um an xt3 fuji xt3 with a 23 mil lens which I, is such a beautiful lens uh i've also been using a nikon d500 uh, i've been putting a lens baby 45 on that for some kind of dreamy effect and a lot of the time i'm using the the fantastic dgi Osmo Pocket, which oh. has a built-in stabiliser because yeah. I do not have a steady hand. And, and the good thing is, I mean, you can tell us, I, mean, I, I said before when we spoke on, on the show when we originally talked about it, that I couldn't really tell the difference between some of the hops, but actually you can, but they're very, very subtle, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's quite clear, but I've never been too worried about that. And I think they sort of gel well enough. Um, and, you know, this isn't going to Netflix or anything. It was more of a home project. But I, I also think that when I'm doing it for uh, weddings and uh, families, I don't think they get too hung up about that. I think it's other photographers. So I think it'll be fine. So you're going to make another couple of films, another couple of family vlogs? Another couple of family vlogs, and then I'll stop that for a bit. Well, if you haven't seen Fran's family vlogs, you must. And we'll have links, of course, that you can follow in the show notes. There's been a, a real Zoom appreciation society in our house. It's been a platform for family quizzes, for our kids to keep in touch with Grandma, for, for weekly video bake-offs. And for me, I've discovered the joys of finding new time zone pals. And right at the start of lockdown, I remember talking to John Baisley and some other Southern Hemisphere newfound friends about photography and sound on a Zoom pop-up workshop. John's personal lockdown project has brought him closer, quite literally, to the critters that surround him on his farm down under. 
Where exactly are you, John? Well, I'm in South Australia. So Mount Gambier is very much down the bottom of South Australia. So we're so close to Victoria, you wouldn't believe it. Wow. Um, so we're like half an hour from uh, Victoria. So we're right down the bottom of South Australia. Um, the climate's beautiful down here. Lots of rain. Uh, lots of people complain about it, but it's it's great. So right down the bottom of South Australia. Because I know if you go north, if you go to, um, uh, to, to is it Dar- Darwin and all those sort of places, that's when it becomes really hot and tropical, isn't it? Absolutely. Like uh, you don't want to go there during the what they call the wet season in Australia. Uh, just the humidity is uncontrollable. And what they also talk about is the silly season where the humidity is so crazy, you just you really don't want to be there. Yeah. So uh, it's a beautiful climate here. So you're, you're a friend of the show and um, you're, you're a photographer, um, but you're also a paramedic, aren't you? What, what's it been like? Because I, I know actually you've been a little less locked down than some of us folk. Yeah, absolutely. Like as a paramedic, there are people that are hypersensitive to what's been going on. But uh, generally within South Australia, each state, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but each state within Australia, it's um, it's very different. Uh, the South Australian government have been fairly lax. Like they, They've given us a lot of leeway in regards to our own responsibility. And South Australia is one of the first states within Australia to uh, have nearly a seven-day period of no more um, coronavirus confirmed cases at all. So with all what's been going on, we are pretty much the leader in Australia in regards to what we should and shouldn't be doing. So uh, we're pretty good here at the moment and everything's been going well, Neil. I mean, you've really been locked off in your part of the world. When people come off an aeroplane, I'm not even sure, are our aircraft still going into Australia at the moment? <laughs> it's funny you should say that because it was only the other day I went on to some random app on my laptop and just uh, saw all the aircraft going in and out of australia oh. uh, a lot of it was a lot of it was the um the freight so all the mail that's going in and out a lot of it was uh private aircraft but in regards to um uh, interstate travel and international travel there was hardly anything at all so in regards to that application there's been um a fairly harsh restriction i would say but um when it comes to interstate travel that's been fairly open but when it comes to interstate, that is within South Australia to Victoria, because Victoria has had an increase, would you believe, of caseload in the last um, five days. But apart from all of that, South Australia has been very good. But Australia in general have been going quite down. Yeah. So as a photographer, then, what what have you been able to do during this period? Have you had your own Have you had your own um, project at all uh, to cover this period? Absolutely. I've just been doing a lot of macro. Would you believe it? Macro. Uh, the yeah, macro. I, I wouldn't have thought of it, but all those little bugs that I've been seeing in the garden, like the praying mantises and the like, and I've been pulling out, dare I say, I know it's a non-Fuji lens, but the, um, the 105, I think it is, 105mm macro lens for my old Nikon with the old D700. My old Fuji X-H1 has been put on the sideline. The Fuji X100F has been uh, been getting a bit of a copying lately with all the children and the like going on. But my main project is of the garden, ah. uh, all the fruits and all the produce of the garden going on and the insects and the like. So that, yeah, so in regards to a uh, photography aspect, that's that's been the big thing. Is um, I wouldn't have believed it, but macro is a big 
a big thing, Neil. Would you not have been doing this if it weren't for lockdown in this enforced period where you weren't able to travel and go out and do no. your, you know, you wouldn't have been doing it? No, absolutely not. Like the macro lens from the Nikon uh, world was um, gifted to me from my dad. Um, he gave me a whole, he gave oh. me a D800, a D700 and a whole bunch of gear there. And I used it infrequently to start with, but um, with the lockdown, the macro lenses come out and I've been absolutely fascinated and my girls have been going on. We even went down to the beach. <laughs> We've been lucky enough to go down the beach and we saw a cockle. We never realised, I mean, I'm 47 now and I never realised how a cockle actually buries itself into the sand. And I had a macro lens and it showed the, the muscle of the cockle that pokes out of the shell and buries itself into the sand. So when it comes to macro, that's been absolutely fascinating. My girls have loved it as well. Are you are you going to use these macro images in a book or something to to um, I suppose to mark this period where you you found uh, another genre you perhaps like macro photography? Uh, I will do slightly, but a majority of the images will be with the X one hundred F of the expressions of uh, Claire and Emma, and uh, just the sheer joy of going down the beach yeah. and just the general running around on the beach and seeing the cockles and the shells and, and just uh, spending time with each other. So that's yeah, so that's the main document. But there's been nothing different, really, yeah, when I, it comes to... I, I, I worry about you, John. Um, you're in Australia and, and you're doing macro photography. You're in your garden, on your farm. There's a thousand and one creatures there that could take you down. There, there are, and it's <laughs> interesting that uh, a lot of people talk about Australia with the snakes and the like, and... We've had a, a, a few snakes in and around our place. Um, our girls, there are eight and ten, and they have very much of a blasé attitude in regards to the uh, wildlife. You know, they see uh, spiders the size of their hands, and they see snakes, and they realise it's just a part of their life. It's a part of nature. Just as you see a, a butterfly or a fly or a mosquito, you see a snake or a or, or a shark in the in the in the ocean when you go past, but. Um, it might sound blasé, but it's just a part of what we do, and they are a part of nature, and we've enjoyed the snakes, and we've enjoyed the flies, and we've enjoyed the butterflies. Um, Claire got uh, accidentally bitten by a snake. It was a dry bite, and we went to the hospital and the like, but it wasn't too much of an issue. Um, the hospital staff were really calm, and she got a free yogurt, so um, it was all pretty good. <laughs> free yogurt for having a snake bite. Have you? Oh yeah. Now we've noticed something here, but then because we went into lockdown, and we're, we're we're not we're certainly not in a city, but we uh, we do live right next to a main road here, so there's a lot of traffic during the day, and of course, well, usually that is, but of course, over the last six seven weeks, nothing at all really in comparison. And the first thing that we noticed, Sam said to me one day, it's a lot of bees, aren't there? Seem to be a lot more bees, a lot more wildlife. I'm hearing the birds more in the morning. When it comes to little creatures, I've noticed more of the um. Well, the bees have always been very active. Where we are, we are fairly remote from the main part of town, but uh, there are certain insects that I've definitely noticed an increase, like the cicadas and the uh, praying mantises, which is my favourite insect. We've definitely seen those kind of things. But I'd have to say, in regards to where we are, there isn't too much more of an, uh, an impact in regards to what we see on a day-to-day basis because we have like about 10 beehives here at it. Right. Blockers laying out yeah. at OB flat, so not so much, Neil. Praying mantis, do they are they good? Do they stay still for when John approaches them with his with his macro his, his Nikon macro lens? Do they say, "Come on, then, John, come in"? No, as soon as you uh, start moving, they just uh, waddle off in their <laughs> all beauty of greenness. They, uh-huh. they, 
They don't want, they're not very photogenic, unfortunately. <laughs> well, from camera shy critters near Victoria and a country which had one of its worst ever seasons of bushfires prior to lockdown, of course, to Scotland, where we talk now to Murray McMillan, a firefighter who, with the warmer weather now in the UK, is having to wait his own battles with hill fires. Murray's been working on several photo projects as he balances his work in the service with what was an increase in professional photography commissions until that kind of work understandably dried up at this time. Usually, though, Murray, what are you? Are you are you firefighter first, photographer second, or, or is it the other way around? Well, I guess that if you look at it that way, it's probably firefighter first because um, that's the main job. The photography has always been a thing in the past. Yeah. And only maybe in the last five or six years have I started to take it a bit more seriously. So, yeah, I would probably say in order, dad, firefighter, yeah. photographer, husband. Dad, firefighter, photographer, is. husband. Oh, there's a there's a website there, Murray. There's a website. <laughs> I can see it. So, I mean, at the moment, there, there was a thought. I remember you saying something in some emails we exchanged where you said yeah. that there was, a, there was an opportunity, a possibility where you might have to become a, param- well, a pseudo sort of paramedic as well to support the services. We've, you know, we've managed to so far swerve that situation, haven't we? For myself... In terms of COVID and the fire service, I haven't really been affected by it. Yeah, Yeah, we've had training, we've had lots of briefings on it about what we possibly could be doing. Um, You'll have seen the things in the news about body retrieval, Mm. um, possibly driving ambulances, assisting in other ways for the NHS. Um, Myself, and I'm not too sure if this is just a Scottish thing at the moment, but certainly I haven't been affected in that um, way yet. Well, let's let, let, let's stick a pin in a map. What part of... We, I know you're in Scotland, but just because you have a Scottish accent doesn't mean you have to be living in Scotland. Where are you? For myself, I'm based uh, in Greenock Fire Station. Um, so Greenock is in the west coast of Scotland, and it's in the district of Inverclyde, 25 minutes by car from Glasgow. And you've had your fair challenges, haven't you? I mean, while all this is going on and people are supposed to be staying in, you've been extinguishing some fires on the hillsides near where you live. Um, yeah, they haven't naturally started. Should we just put it that way? Yeah, well, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, uh, one of the good things that we've had throughout this horrendous period of lockdown is in Scotland, for once, the weather's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and when we're off, it's good. Um, we do kind of rotas in work where we do two days and we, then we do two nights and then we're off for four days. Yeah. So there's always someone on duty as such at the fire station, but unfortunately, with the hot weather comes um, grass fires, hill fires. Um, that's probably a politically correct way of putting it, that it's um, sometimes it's naturally started, but uh, in my experience, it's mainly not naturally started, shall we say. That's been um, the most annoying thing. It must feel like so frustrating that you're having to deal with something that, that yeah. could, could be stopping you from dealing with something else. Exactly. So that's one of the things that we do when we go out and we have like talks with schools and stuff. We're always trying to get across to kids in school not to maybe start malicious fires, not to call 999 when it's not needed, because if we're responding to that, then it stops us responding to what we would say is real emergencies, you know. My my son, by the way, is, is really impressed. He said, you're talking to a firefighter today. I said, yep. He only had one question. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't disappoint him here. Does he drive the fire truck? Uh, yes, I do. Um, oh, drive fire engines, yes. Yeah. So. Um, you don't drive them initially when you first come into the service. Um, you do a three-year period as a trainee and then you become a competent firefighter. Mm. 
um, and I've been in the job maybe 11, 11 years now, 11 and a half years or something like that. Yeah. So I've been driving fire engines for probably the last two or three. I never thought I'd be talking about firefighting on a photography show, but uh, there we go. <laughs> so uh, thank you on behalf of everybody for being part of this, uh, this an- an- enormous effort of, uh, of being in the emergency services, which is really important okay. at the moment. Right, let's talk about photography. Okay. There's two projects. First of all, yes. a lot of people have been doing this, so I'm not going to linger on this particular bit, but you're working on a home project uh, during lockdown. Yeah. Have you called it a particular title? No, nah, not really. I had a thing, like, and it sounds absolutely rubbish, probably is like Corona Blog, which is what I kind of threw it off my top of my head as, but... As the weeks have went on now, I mean, I was doing it daily. I'm still taking photos daily. I was trying to do a blog post on my website, mm. keep traffic up, keep interest up, keep my, my skills up. But as the days go on, it's just becoming harder and harder now to, you know, document. You're looking at the same things. I mean, I'm doing the same things every day. My day consists of getting up in the morning if I'm not at work. Alison goes to work. She's still out working as well. So I'm doing homeschooling for the girls. I'm doing... Joe Wicks workouts. Um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to wonder what time of the day is an acceptable time of the day to have a beer. Um, I'm working on my website, you know. And, yeah. But that, that's the that's the project you've been doing at home. A lot of people have been doing home projects, and I think yeah. a lot of people have been having the same sort of problem of, of you of later thinking, right, okay, uh, what, what do I photograph now? I've been in these four yeah. walls now for six weeks, some some people yeah. even longer. But Untitled yeah. Days, originally we were, we were talking about Untitled Days. And yeah, this, this is, a, there, yeah. yeah, this is this is a project that you've got for um, for your. Well, it's an Instagram project, isn't it? Untitled days. Just tell me about it. It's a group of photographers yeah. that are working on, uh, on the same subject each week, or, or how does well, it work? We had this idea a couple of years ago, um, maybe about two and a half years ago now, where myself and my friend Mike Andrews, who. Mike and I met through photography on um, an Olympus forum. We both shot Olympus back in the day. And I'd started to get requests in to do weddings. So I was looking for someone to do them with, to second shoot, to assist. And, you know, it kind of went from there. But we were chatting each day and we were both doing lots of, you know, everyday photography, much like we're doing just now. And we just thought it must be cool. There must be other guys to do this around the world as well. And we kind of just had an idea to try and come up with a project initially on Instagram to find one photographer for each day. So seven of us, seven days, seven images per week. All right. And just post on my Instagram and call it from that and see how we go. So we started with that. Um, we identified some people online that we thought looked very similar. And we just kind of went from there and we reached out. So we've now been going for... I've not checked today, but I'm pretty sure it's 872 days of it. Wow. We haven't, missed a, we haven't missed a single day. Photographers have changed, though, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, there was. Uh, there's still four of us initially. So there's myself, Mike, Tom Humble, who I, I know that you know, um, Scott Van Shake, and we've just kind of went from there. We've also got Matt McCord, who is really, really big in kind of Instagram on Fuji. He's got a huge following. We've got new members like uh, Emily Renier that you know very well. Mm-hmm. Friend of the we've show. Got, you've also got um, Rev K. Walker that, again, you know oh, very yeah, well. Yeah, from New York. So, yeah, so we're just kind of there at the moment, and that's how we're going with, you know, the seven of us from there. So, What's the advantage of doing a, a project, you think, like, like Untitled Days, which is uh, an Instagram project where you're working with other people, uh, above just doing your own? We kind of started just to see where it would go, Um 
and just reach out and see how we go from there with it. We do hook up a lot. We do chat online, as you know, most photographers are doing through this period. But it's really nice just to see an insight into the other guys' lives each day because it's not one stipulation of it. It can't be work-related. So if I was shooting a wedding that week, whatever it was, remember them? We would just be, <laughs> we would just be, you know, you can't post anything from the wedding. We also do theme weeks now as well, where we're kind of trying to do that and invite other photographers that aren't part of the project maybe to join in through hashtags. But again, all of these are, it's all limited on your reach by Instagram and Facebook and all that. So there you go. That's it, really. Maybe a website, maybe a book. I don't know. Great to hear what um, our listeners, our friends of the show, have been doing um, over this particular period. Um, so, Kev. I, I, just, I wanted to mention very quickly the uh, reviews. Um, send in your good, bad, or indifferent ones. Um, <laughs> but we'd, we'd sort of rather forgotten to say thank you to those because there are quite a few that have been sent in that have been really lovely. We haven't been doing the the self-indulgent moment and all that kind of stuff that we were doing. So I, I, I personally just wanted to say thank you to people. Yeah, thank you, of course. And I suppose around about once a month, although I don't think we've done it during the 58 days of lockdown or whatever it is. Um, yeah, we, we, we kind of gently prod you to, to leave us an <laughs> Apple review or wherever you can. Yeah. Um, it does help. It helps a lot, actually. It helps a lot. So, uh, yeah. of course, you know, write what you need to write, as long as it's good and five stars. <laughs> well, it really does help us as well. Um, so <laughs> thank you. So consider yourself... Oh, let's prod. No, no, yeah, consider yourself prodded. Um, right, back tomorrow, Kev. See you then. Yes, bye-bye. The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. Goodbye, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. We're back tomorrow with another show. Well, unless we're fired, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye.